MDN TV, the podcast. Be abreast with now. Never miss a thing with MDN TV, the podcast. We love to keep you in the present with diverse goodies from secular and non-secular subjects of global interest. Join us. Grab more from these series. Listen to our podcasts. The undeniable choice. It's sundown. The day has just begun. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Yes. <laughs> this is MDN Shows Running With The Times, only on MDN TV, the podcast, and I am Major Daughter. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all our viewers. Meet us in the comments. We are live there. Engage, send your questions, comments. I mean, tell everyone it's happening now. It is right now. And let me tell you why I'm so excited. Today is different. It's it's completely different because we're talking servant leadership. Have you heard people say, I'm a servant leader? Are they really servant leaders? Well, we're about to find out because my guest has been doing this for over three decades of telling stories in his book, C-Suite and Beyond, with four keys to leadership success. Don't you want to be successful? There are people who have achieved it. There are people who have attained success and they know how. Stand at the crossroads and find out right after this. MDN TV, the podcast. Be abreast with now. Never miss a thing with MDN TV, the podcast. We love to keep you in the present with diverse goodies from secular and non-secular subjects of global interest. Join us. Grab more from these series. Listen to our podcasts. The undeniable well, choice. Well, the undeniable choice for today, it's indeed Tom Caresti. He tells stories. Don't you love stories? I love, love. I love stories, but I don't just love stories. I love teaching stories, stories that help you learn, stories that educate you for free and He's right here to help us do just that. Thanks to Gazillion Times, Tom, for your time, your wisdom. The mic swings to you now. Hey, Major Daughter, how are you? <laughs> From my halfway across the world. Yes, yes, yes. I'm doing great. How are you, sir? Uh, and and in uh, in California, it literally is sun up. I mean, the sun is just coming up. So good morning for both of us. <laughs> well, that is beautiful. Please tell our listeners around the world who is Tom Caresti. Well, Tom is a servant leader, as you mentioned. I, uh, you know, many many years ago, if you asked me that question, I, I would have said, "Well, you know, I'm a business executive, and I've acquired companies, and I've sold companies, and I." Let companies, I was CEO of companies, but um, that's kind of, you know, that's not how I want to introduce myself. I don't want that to be my legacy. I want people to judge me by how my kids turn out. Um, you know, it's, it's not so much, you know, how successful I was in business, but really my legacy and, and most people's legacy is, is their kids and how the kids turn out. And mm-hmm. if your kids turn out successful, then, then, then you left a good legacy behind it. You know, no matter how successful you're in your business, if your family is a mess, then uh, then you haven't been successful. Yes. Look, you tell good stories. You tell stories. 
Can you tell us how you got started in this journey of uh, servant leadership, Tom? Well, it's uh, you know, servant leadership is a, is a process that I learned over years. And uh, when I was young and I was young executive, I was very self-centered. I, I thought it was all about me. So I, I, uh, I always had very good people skills. And uh, I, I found it easy to, uh, for lack of a better word, manipulate people to my advantage. And, mm. and I did that uh, for many years while I was young. You know, I, I, I wanted to get things done. I mean, it was, I wasn't manipulating people for bad. I was manipulating people for success. But it was really about my success. It wasn't, you know, yes. about something much bigger than me. And then, you know, I learned as I matured in life that, uh, you know, a good leader, they understand it's not about them. It's about something much bigger than them. Uh, yes, you want people to buy into you. And we can talk about, you know, how that works. But really, uh, when you understand that it's not about you, but it's something much bigger than you, then you start to begin to understand what servant leadership is about. about. Yes, we, we, we have heard people call themselves servant leaders, but are they really servant leaders? What is servant leadership? And many people are seduced by power to even manipulate. Now, I don't know. Uh, uh, on what category you 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 did your own kind of manipulating people to success? Is it because of that seduction that comes with power when you are in leadership, or what, Tom? That's absolute. That's absolutely part of it. Uh, you know, power and and fame is seductive. Uh, you know, just look at Hollywood, look at all the actors, uh, you know, they, they think they're in the, the center of the universe and really all they do is kind of put on makeup and, you know, recite lines. Like, you know, Brad Pitt had a great, Brad Pitt had, you know, Brad Pitt had a great quote one time, you know, they asked Brad Pitt about what he thought about some political situation. That was some, that was some global political crisis. And they asked Brad Pitt to say, well, what do you think about this? And he goes, why are you asking me? I put on makeup, I recite lines. I mean, you know. What does wow. it matter what I think? <laughs> I, I, yes. I, I thought that was a very humble answer from Brad. Wow, very interesting indeed for me. Now, what what is a seventh leader? What makes one a seventh leader? Can I just rock up and say, I'm a seventh leader? Well, unfortunately, sir, the, the word servant leader or the phrase servant leader is, is much abused today because it became popular to talk about it. It became popular, uh, you know, as a, as a buzzword is what they call it. Right. Uh, yes. but true servant leaders understand, like I mentioned, true servant leaders understand it's not about them. Right. It, it's, it's, it's about maybe the success of a team. Maybe it's about a success of a larger cause, a bigger cause. Um, and, and really a servant leader understands that, and I call it creating an environment for success. Right, so you have, you know, my job, and, and when I was CEO of a $300 million company, uh, it's not a huge company, but $300 million is still a pretty nice size company. And, yes. you know, I, I thought I had the easiest job in a room. Uh, and the reason I thought I had the easiest job in a room, because my job was really to make sure that, you know, there was a culture in the organization and we had shared values. There was a, a common vision that the organization shared. So, you know, everybody said, okay, well, that's a common vision I buy into. So it wasn't about me. It was about a common vision. It was about shared values and a culture. Again, it wasn't about me. It was about the shared value and a culture. 
And then it was really uh, making sure that each individual understood how they can contribute to that culture, how can they contribute to that vision. And it was also my job to equip them to make sure that they had the assets that they needed, make sure they had the connections that they needed, make sure that they, um, you know, had the, the know-how uh, and, and the training they needed to, to be successful. And if they were successful in achieving their individual goals, that means that the overall company was successful, which means I was successful. Um, so it, it's, it, it's when, when a servant leader understands that they really, their, their biggest role is to, to make other people successful mm. um, and, and equip other people to be successful, that then they start to become a servant leader. Wow. Talking about success, your book, The C-Suite and Beyond, captures stories of, um, of, 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 of leadership, stories of uh, leadership success. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, leadership, uh, uh, I think John Maxwell said this, or maybe somebody else said it, but uh, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, they say, right? So it's, leadership is really about influencing other individuals um, to, to follow that, that grand vision, to, to follow that goal. Um, so you have to influence others. And look, we're all in the influence business, right? We're in the influence business. If, if, if you go into a sales meeting, the salesperson is trying to influence the customer to buy their product. Uh, the customer may be trying to influence the salesperson to give them a better price, maybe better conditions, better terms. So there's, you know, some influencing going on from both sides yes. uh, for that transaction to, to, to happen. Uh, you know, a, a person goes into an interview for a job while well, they're trying to influence the other person to hire them. Or, or maybe the person who is working for the company uh, interviewing the individual, you know, maybe they think they're a great individual and they're influencing them to make sure that they, you know, they join this company instead of a different company. So, you know, influence is, is, is going all around. And, and one of the things that we have to understand is, you know, just because you have an office and just because you have a job title, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a leader that you can influence. Uh, you know, one of the stories I, I opened up and saying, look, you know, I, I want to be judged by how my kids turn out when, when my kids were small. Uh, my, my wife was a lot more disciplinary than I was. I was kind of a softy. And, but every once in a while, my kids got them under my skin. I got really mad at them. And mm. my, my punishment for my kids was to make them stand against the wall. So their toes and their nose have to touch the wall. And they have to stand there for about two or three minutes. We call it a timeout. <laughs> um, yes. And, and, and my, my oldest daughter, you know, she got me ticked off. I forget why. And, you know, she, uh, she stood it, you know, she took the punishment. She stood against the wall there for, for two or three minutes. And my middle daughter, uh, did the same thing. And, and, and then when it came to my youngest daughter, um, uh, when, when she got into trouble one time and, and I told her to do it, she looked at me, she said, you're crazy. I'm, I'm not doing that. Um, Ooh. and, and, and I said, what do you mean you're not doing it? You know, I'm the dad, I'm, I'm the authority. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm you gotta do it. You, you've gotta do it. Yes. <laughs> And, and, and she, and she said, you're nuts. This is crazy. I'm not doing it. So, so now I'm physically going over and I physically put my hand behind her back and I try to force her against the, against the wall. And she's, and she's now wiggling. I said, well, I, I guess maybe she was like three or four years old and she's wiggling and, you know, throwing the, throwing a tra- tantrum. And fi- finally my wife and I cracked and we started laughing. It was, it became a comical. So we started laughing. We gave up and, 
And then my two other daughters, they, they looked at each other and, and they said, man, how stupid were we? I mean, why did we stand against the wall? And when dad told us, I mean, she didn't have to, why did we have to do it? And, you know, I, I kind of reflected on that. And, and that's pretty much how life is and how the workforce is. Because somebody has an authority and they're not a real leader, they're not a servant leader, they're telling people what to do. Mm. And, and people are, are not buying into it. They, they don't believe in it. They just do it because the authority tells them to do it. And then, you know, one time one employee will say, you know, that's just stupid. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get in line because that's crazy. That's a crazy idea. And then, you know, depending on what the person does, you know, the other people, the other colleagues standing around looking at them, they say, well, well if, if they don't have to do it, why, why, would, why would we do it? We all think it's a stupid idea. And, and, you know, that's just a lesson for my kids to me as a parent, which, uh, by the way, parenting uh, really taught me more about leadership than any conference room or any, wow. you know, boardroom could. Um, and it's just an easy lesson. Look, you know, people either buy into the overall idea, buy into the vision, uh, buy into you, and, 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 and they, they do it with, with full passion because they believe in it, or they kind of just go through the motions because they have to. Not, they their heart's not in it, their mind's not in it. They, you know, they're just maybe collecting a pay paycheck and that's the only reason they do it so you know if you want to be a servant leader um have them buy into something much bigger than just a stupid idea Whew. you say parenting taught you a lot about leadership i really want you to break that down for us because someone may be thinking what's there to learn i mean children often ask why when they're supposed to do something there's more whys than yeses <laughs> How does that relate or impact on one's uh, leadership skills, Tom? Well, look, uh, if if you're a parent, right, most parents love their kids and want the best for their kids, and and and, and most uh, parents, if they're smart, and I I told, I said uh, early on, look, uh, as a parent, I have about twelve years to get it right. Uh, because, uh, and, and I don't know, you know, in America, uh, teenagers, and I don't know if this is the rest of the world, but I, I've seen it other parts of the world also where I live, but teenagers tend to kind of have their own opinion and they don't want to do what their parents tell them anymore. So what happens is you have about zero to 12 years where you can teach a kid the values, right? And, and values are fundamental. Uh, you can really open them up to experiences. You know, my, my mother, when I was a little kid, she made me take piano lessons. I hated piano lessons, right? But she made me take them. I wanted to go play football and soccer and all kinds of sports. I was a sport fanatic, right? Um, so I wanted to do all that stuff, but uh, uh, she made me take the piano. But, you know, later on in life, I had, I grown I to love classical music. You know, I, I used to go to the opera. I used to go to ballets. I used to go to concerts. And it was because she forced me to take piano when I was about four or five years old. Mm. So as a loving parent, you know, you want to love your kids. You want to give them tools, training, right? You're going to give them all kinds of yes. opportunities. You're going to equip your kids. You're going to buy them the best uh, because you want them to be successful. You're not going to tell your kids what to do every single day because then they'll never make their own decisions. They never grow up, right? And then what happens is when kids start to be about 13 to 17 or 18, then they kind of rebel. They, they you know... I went from the, the greatest dad to the stupidest individual on the face of the earth when my daughter wow. turned, you know, 13 or 14 years old. She just, you know, she just said, I know much better than that. And my friends know much better than that. And my, you know, my parents are not Yo. that smart at all. And then, you know, then she went off to university and, and, and real life started. And then she 
kind of figured out that life is not that easy. Uh, and, and then she came back and she started seeking my advice and all my kids seek of, you know, seek my advice. And that, that gives me the biggest pleasure when one of my kids call up and say, Hey dad, what do you think about this? You know, this is happening in my life. You know, what do you think about it? Or they may call me and say, this is great thing that just happened. I just want to share this good news with you. Right. And, and if you kind if you take that mentality to the workplace and you basically say, look, you know, my, my, the, the people that are on my team, the people that I work with me, what I want to do is I want to love on them and I yes. want to support them and, and, and I want to give them and expose them to new opportunities. And I, I want them to learn so they become better individuals and, and they become more equipped in life. If you take that same philosophy to the workplace, uh, again, then you start thinking like a servant leader. Hmm. This is so powerful. You said that um, a leader doesn't want to be one who's just othering people around, telling them what to do, because most of the time people don't want to buy into what you are telling them to do or what you are saying. How can a leader overcome that? What do they do? How? What kind of um, vocabulary do they use when they are communicating with their subordinates? Tom? Well, look, stop, stop being a dictator. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between a dictator and our track and, and, and a leader. And, and that's really the primary difference. You know, if you're a dictator, you love barking orders and, and people get in line and do your orders. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if you, if you want to be a leader, I, I tell this to, on all the shows, I, I say this all the time. Look, uh, any individual should, should ask themselves three, three questions and answer these three questions. Uh, and once they have clarity on these three questions, uh, they will become a, a, a better leader. Right? So what are these three questions? Well, the first question is have clarity on who you are. Right? I mentioned to you, I'm a servant leader. Uh, now you may not have to, you know, you may not want to be a servant leader or you may not be a servant leader, but have, cl have clarity of who you are as an individual. Uh, and, and that is really important because if you don't understand who you are as an individual, Yes. How would you expect people to follow you if they don't know who you are, right? If, if they if they don't know what you stand for, if they don't know who you are as an individual, what your values are, um, how would you expect people to buy into you and follow you? Uh, they're not because, you know, if you don't know who you are, they can't figure out who you are either. Or worse, maybe they figure out who you are and they don't like it, right? Because you don't stand for something. Yes. The, the, the second question is, understand. The second question is understand what you are passionate about, right? Um, so I'm passionate about making things better, making people better, making products better, making companies better. Uh, some people call it, you know, adding value uh, to others. Um, and, and that's extremely important because as a leader, if you are not passionate about your cause, why would anybody else follow you and wow. be passionate about it? You know, wow. they would look at, they would look at you and say, well, you know, Tom, Tom doesn't seem so excited about it. Why should I be excited about it, right? And and then the third question is is know what you're good at. And uh, I'm good at mentoring, and I'm pretty good at leading. And, and that's why that's important also because when people look at you, they have to feel confident that you are competent. Yes. Right? If you, if you don't have confidence in what you're doing, then they're not going to follow you. So again, just to kind of summarize that up really quickly, know who you are. So people can buy into you, be passionate about whatever you're passionate about. So, yes. so people become passionate about it. So, so it's like, it's contagious and, and, and do the things that you're good at because people then will, will look at 
you know, say, okay, I got confidence in Tom because he seems to know what he's doing. Wow. You, you, you speak about leadership as an influence. You say leadership is influence. And I'm thinking about the kind of stories in your book, See Sweet and Beyond. Is it, is it possible for someone to influence another to fail and just, just lead them down the road of failure than success? Through the influence, well, well, I, I, I yes, why not? You know, I, I, I hope it's not intentional. I mean, you know, if, if you if you're intentionally leading somebody to failure, then then you really are not a good leader. In, in fact, you're a, a terrible individual as a human being. Because why would you want to do that to anybody? Why would you want to lead somebody to failure? That's that's just you know mind boggling. You're you're not a good individual, a human being, to do that. Uh, now, accidentally, you know, you can lead somebody to failure. You can leave an entire team to failure uh, b- because, you know, for, for many different reasons. May- maybe you made some bad assumptions. Maybe the execution was uh, not perfect. Um, you know, maybe you didn't have the vision. Right? I mean, there's all kinds of elements why teams can fail or individuals can fail. Um, I think one of the most common things, and, and I'm not sure if it's leading somebody to failure, but, but putting people in the wrong place where, where they can't um, excel. So, so, for example, you know, I said, look, you know, know what you're good at. Yes. Uh, you may find yourself that you put somebody on your team into, uh, into a situation where it's not their strength. And, and you're asking them to do something that they're really not good at. Well, that's a recipe for setting that person up for failure, right? And, and, and again, that's, that's a leader's job to recognize that, when you're giving an assignment to uh, when you're giving an assignment to somebody, you know, make sure that that you know what that person's strength is, so they can, you know, again, excel at the job, can be successful at it. Make sure you equip them, make sure you train them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just to summarize that answer, if you're intentionally leading somebody to failure, that's bad on you. You're a terrible person. Never mind a bad leader. Um, if if uh, if you know, you, you make mistakes. Sometimes people fail. As long as you learn from those mistakes, I think that's important. Um, you know, failure, we all fail. You know, the Navy SEALs, I have a good friend, and, and I don't know uh, if you guys are familiar with the Navy SEALs, but Navy SEALs are, are one of the most uh, best trained and, and most feared uh, part of the of the U.S. Navy, they're called Navy SEALs, and you know they go to overseas and they do all the crazy operations that nobody else wants to do. And uh, Navy SEALs go through Hell Week, uh, and, and it's it's basically it's called BUDS, because which is their basic uh, operation training for these Navy SEALs. And and what the the tr- training program is designed to do is for these guys to fail every single day, right? That they, they fail because. They fail at physical. They fail because they can't swim five miles. They fail because they can't stay up 24 hours a day. They, they, they fail for every day they're trained how to fail because if they fail during the training and Ooh. they learn from those failures, when, when they're actually in the battlefield, they, they'll say, okay, yeah, well, I, I understand. I, I remember how I failed you know, during the training. And, and okay, now I've, this is the remedy. I know how to overcome it. So failure is not necessarily a bad thing. It's yes. part of life. A- accept it. Um, in, in fact, most people 
over-exaggerate the consequences of failure. Like you, you, you say, oh my God, you know, what's going to happen? And, and this happened to me. And I, at one time I lost a job and, and I thought my, my life was over. You know, what's going to happen to me? And, you know, how am I going to, you know, pay, you know, pay to house and well, how am I going to feed yes. my kids and everything else? And, you know, my, my whole mind, you know, just what went to, to, to scatterbrain. And then, you know, about a week later I woke up and I said, well, look, I'm still the same individual. I still have the same skill sets. Uh, maybe I'll start marketing myself a little bit differently. And, and I launched a whole new phase of my career after that. So don't over-exaggerate the consequences of failure, because if you over-exaggerate, you probably never even start because you're afraid of failing. Uh, uh, failing is not bad, you know? Just accept it that it will happen and learn from it. Isn't Sorry, it? I went on a whole different page. No, <laughs> no, you're doing great. Look, isn't everything exaggerated? I mean, failure will be exaggerated just like bird is advertised. So I guess failure is advertised and drummed up and exaggerated. It, it just happens naturally. But you, you, you are spot on there. In your book, again, see sweet. And beyond, you talk about stories of success and failure. Can you tell us just one or two of some of these stories? Let's start with success for a change. I feel like success doesn't get too much attention. Success gets a little <laughs> attention. It's only a failure. Everybody talks about it. They will remind you. It comes up every now and then, even 10 years later. They'll re- I mean, Tom... Well, look, uh, you know, failure is, is good because uh, you learn from failure and, and you can't be successful, uh, you know, unless you failed and learned a couple of times and eventually it gets you to success, right? Um, you know, if you, if you take that story, like I mentioned to you, you know, at one time I lost my job mm. and, and when I lost my job, I, I had to look at myself and I said, look, um, I asked my, you know, I asked myself those same questions of who am I? What am I passionate about? And what am I good at? And, and I branded myself. And, and if you look at all great brands, whether that's Coca-Cola, whether that's Nike, yes. um, you know, the, the, you look at those brands and they all stand for something. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, if, if Coca-Cola is, is, is the most refreshed drink in the world and it's everyone a drill. So when you, when you buy a Coca-Cola, you recognize the can right away because it has the same kind of shape and look doesn't matter if yes. you're in you know africa or if you're in asia or whatever you are and, and when you open it it's going to taste the same it's going to be refreshing so i looked at myself and i said okay how do i brand myself what do i stand for and what it turned out was okay i i, I loved what i was passionate about you know i i loved making things better making companies better making products better so i had a whole career of turning around companies that were not profitable that have problems with them, right? Because I wanted to make them better or, or I started something from scratch, you know, I went halfway across the world and set up a, up a company in a whole new uh, continent, you know, for, for one of my employers. So I, I branded myself and I understood that I loved making things better and making things new. That's, that's what drove me. That's what I was passionate about. Um, and I was really good at doing that in emerging markets, mm. right? So I focused on emerging markets and I focused on termine companies. Now, had I not been let go from that job, I probably don't do that exercise. And I probably don't speak to you on this, on this podcast right now, because yes, I probably yes. didn't even get to my career. What I did, I probably don't have my book. Right. But 
you know, that failure helped, you know, led me to success because I realized the, the answer to those three questions and that launched my uh, career, an international executive career where I worked all over the globe uh, as a successful, you know, senior executive in C-suite. Uh, so I, I don't, I hope that answers your question. Wow. That's beautiful. Now, what are some of your biggest aha moments you have heard when it comes to business? Uh, biggest aha moments. Yes. Well, there's, uh, there's a couple when it comes to business. Um, one of the things, for example, all businesses do is, is, there's a lot of focus and a lot of emphasis put on financials, right? So in any business, there's two pieces of finance that one is called the profit and loss statement. And the other one is called the balance sheet, you know, profit and loss, profit and loss tells you what your sales are, how much, you know, what you're spending money, et cetera. And then, you know, the balance sheet tells you, what you have, you know, receivables, what you have in cash, what you have in assets, what you have in, you know, how much money you owe, your liabilities. So those two things uh, tend to be the focus of many business leaders. You know, they say, well, you know, we want to grow, our target is to grow sales by 10, you know, 15% or our target is to reduce cost and overhead by, you know, 10 or 15%. And, and that is just a really poor way of looking at it. Uh, your profit and loss statement, your balance sheet is a measure. It's never your target. It's just measuring how good of a job you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. if you basically say, look, I want to launch a new product or I want to pick up new geographies and new customers, that's the way you get your 10% sales, not just by saying I'm going to increase my sales by 10%. So your profit and loss statement and balance sheet, they are a measure of how well you're doing and how you are securing your business. They're never your goal. And they shouldn't be a goal. And if that's what you make your goal, then you make a mistake. So, you know, that's, uh, that was an aha moment for me when I realized that is, is to say, look, you know, wow, it's, you know, the numbers don't lie, but the numbers don't drive the business. The numbers yes, just measure yes. the business. The numbers measure the business. Yes, yes, yes. If you started again tomorrow, will you do the same things you did or would you change your strategy? You know, that's a great question. Uh, somebody asked me that a while back <laughs> and I gave them the answer. And I'll, 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 you know, I'm going to give you the same answer. You know what? Yes. I wouldn't do anything different. Whew. I wouldn't do anything different. And the reason I wouldn't do anything different is very simple. Uh, if I did something different, I would screw up different things in my life. Right. I mean, m- wow. my life has been a journey. <laughs> it's been a fun ride. And I made many mistakes and here I am today, you know, through, through all the learnings and through all the growings, I am where I am. And if I did it differently, I would make different mistakes and it would take me somewhere else. I mean, I don't know if it would be better or for worse, but I would make, I would make mistakes, uh, no matter what journey you're on. Right. Um, so I wouldn't do it any different because I had a good ride. I really enjoyed it. Um, and, um, yeah, if I did it differently, you know, who knows? I may be dead by now. I don't know. That one deserves a round of applause. And let me tell you, because you just came out there and talked to the hearts of the people. Now, what do you think are some of the mistakes that young business leaders or leaders or even political leaders, because we have some, we have many that are listening to this show. 
What do you think are some of those mistakes, maybe biggest mistakes they are making right now under the current climate of the world and the nations? Tom? Well, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Each individual, I think, has to do some soul searching, but I, I would say a couple of things. You know, first of all, I made the mistake when I was young of thinking it's all about me. Yes. And, and unfortunately, many people, you know, many people in leadership positions, whether you're a politician or something else, they believe it's about them. You know, they, they're trying to really manipulate the system to, to garnish wealth, to garnish power, um, and, and they really believe it's about them. And, and that's a big mistake. Uh, and that will only take you so far. I mean, if, if you're a, if that's the philosophy you have, uh, and, and let's even say that you're a, you're a president of a, of a country. Well, it's not a long period of time before they either assassinate you mm. because you, you're, you're just a bad dictator and, and you're kind of, you know, hoarding stuff for yourself and you're not taking care of the people or by democratic process, they vote you out. Uh, but either way, you're going to be removed from your position because because you think it's all about you. You're not there for the better of the people. So I, I think that's one thing that uh, people should just really do some soul searching on is to say, look, am I getting up every day? Am I living every day to make myself better and enrich myself? Or am I doing it to enrich others and make other people better? Wow, and if if the the second is the answer, then you're a you know then you're servant leader, uh, yes. and then the other thing is 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 again those those three questions right those three questions who am I what am I passionate about and what am I good at uh, now at the expense that I'm talking to halfway across the world I don't know if your listeners know who the American president is Joe Biden <laughs> oh, but if you ask if you ask those yes so so if you ask those questions you know ask those three questions about Joe Biden right. Yes. Joe Biden, do you know who you are? I have no idea who Joe Biden is. Sometimes Joe Biden has no idea who he is. He gets on, he, he gets on in front of a microphone and he doesn't know who he is. So, I mean, the, the guy is like totally lost. He has no idea. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he stands for. <laughs> right. Um, yes. that, then, then you ask the second question, what is Joe Biden passionate about? You know, I, I watch him on, on newscasts and other things. Mm. I have no idea. You know, every once in a while, he's like an angry old guy, but I don't know what he's passionate about. He doesn't show passion about but anything. do you know what he's angry about? <laughs> I, think, I, I think he's angry about life. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. And then, uh, and then the third third question is, you know, what is Joe Biden good at? And and most of the people, at least in America, think the guy is incompetent. You know, he 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 can't get the energy prices right. He can't get inflation right. You know, milk costs three three times what it used to cost. You know, just a year ago, housing prices are crazy. Uh, crime is going crazy in the United States. So he's not he's not good at his job, right? So you know, you answer those three questions. Nobody knows who he is. Mm. Or uh, or what he's about, you know, he's not passionate about anything, and he's incompetent. So no wonder his approval ratings are so low. Every, everybody thinks the guy is a is a moron. So you know, it's just to answer those three questions for you. And and if you uh, if you and look, not to be political, I don't want to be a Republican or a Democrat, which is very popular in the United States. But you ask those same same questions for Bill Clinton, who was also a Democratic president, right? Yes. A lot of people love Bill Clinton because, you know, Bill Clinton was, you know, A, okay, you may not like who he was, but you knew what he stood for. 
right? Wow. Uh, wow. B, you know, B was, he was a passionate guy. You walked into any room with Bill Clinton, he was so charismatic. He could sway the room and the opinions in, in a moment's notice because he, he, you know, he knew how to relate to people. He was passionate about, you know, relating to people and, and dealing with people. And, and the third one, he was really good at, it. I mean, you know, he went through also an economic crisis and, and Bill was able to unite, get Wall Street behind his ideas, get large industry behind his ideas. Uh, he was able to get the American people behind his ideas. So he was very good at, at what he did, right? So two Democratic presidents, you know, one guy was very successful two terms uh, under his leadership. But, you know, the country actually prospered fairly well. And then you got Joe Biden, who's a total failure, right? Uh, because you can, you, you, you can answer. Answer those three questions for Bill, but you couldn't answer those three questions for Joe Biden. But can you answer those questions for the deputy president, which is Kamala Harris? Um, well, I can, you know, I think also for her, the, the third question is, is, you know, a lot of people, including myself, don't think she's competent. You know, she, she's not really doing a job. Uh, as 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 a vice president, uh, she she's been given a number of tasks, uh, including border security and other things, and she just yes. failed at it. So I don't think a lot of people think she's very competent. Um, I think also for her, um, you know, I think she shows more passion than Joe Biden. I think she maybe shows some passions about you know the economy, uh, about the uh, the environment and, and other things. So especially racial relationships, I, I think she she shows uh, you know a lot more passion. So I. I think maybe on the on the passion grade, she she scores higher. Uh, but also for 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 Kamala, I, I don't know who she is, what she stands for. Um, you know, I, I you know for her and and and, and I, I think the sign for her is if you look at her inner circle, the people that work for her, uh, they they quit. You know, I, I think half the staff quit in yes, one year. Yes, people, yes. People just you know people don't like working for her because she's a bad leader. Right. Uh, she, she's very moody. She yells at people. Uh, she tells everybody it's their fault. Um, but you know, she's not leading them. So I, I don't think we have a, a, a strong president and I, and I, I love this country and I respect the office of the presidency. I respect the vice president of the, you know, the office of the vice president. But like I said, just because you have a title and you have an office, that doesn't make you a good leader. And I think these two are good examples where they have the title, they have the office, but I think they're terrible leaders. Hmm. In South Africa, we say, Eish! this is an ish <laughs> moment. <laughs> I would like you to take the four keys to leadership success. We are at the tail end. And thanks, Gazilun, to everybody who has stayed on. And for you, take a leaf from the from the four keys to leadership success and use that to speak to our leaders in Africa. And my part will be to get this message to them and maybe also recommend that they get this book. Because if, if, if we are quiet, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't serve any purpose when we are quiet. We, we don't, we should not be muzzled. But when we speak, even the trees will hear. 
And maybe take that message. Maybe someone somewhere will take just one word and do something about it. I don't know. But I believe that there is something that any leader who is serious about their jobs and patriotic about their countries can take from this. Tom? Well, look, you know, uh, the, the greatest leader I think South Africa had was Nelson Mandela. Uh, you know, he, he was uh, he, he was a person who, you know, if, you, if again, you, you take those uh, four keys and, and the first thing is, you know, about character, right? Uh, character, culture, it, it, an individual's character is equivalent to company culture. And, and if you look at Nelson Mandela's character, I, I mean, you, you had to admire the individual. You had to look up to him because... Everybody knew what he stood for. Everybody knew yeah. uh, what his values were. Um, you know, he, everybody could sympathize with him for, for, you know, not sacrificing those values, not selling out and, and spending years in jail and being persecuted for something that he believed in and something he lit, you know, he, he, he it, it was his culture, it was his character. And you had to admire that. The whole world admired that. And, yes. and the second key is, the second key is a vision and, and, and Nelson Mandela, I mean, he painted a vision encompassing for the entire country yes. going forward for, for not just for, you know, one color, but for all colors, for all genders, for all people to go forward as a great nation for, for, for South Africa. So he had an extremely powerful vision and, and an extremely powerful vision that people can buy into. Uh, again, all races, all people could buy into it. Right. So they bought into him. They bought into his vision. Right. And, yes. and then uh, the third, uh, you know, the third question is, uh, uh, do you have a strategic growth plan in, aligned with your vision? Uh, that, that's the third key. And, and Nelson Mandela, you know, had a, a, a very specific plan on, on how he went about changing that nation. Um, you know, he, you know, through his strategic plan, he influenced, you know, other uh, multinational companies to stop investing in Africa until apartheid was gone. Right. So, so it was a very strategic plan that aligned with his vision. Cause that's the other thing that's extremely important is to make sure that your strategic plan aligns with your vision. And, and, and Nelson Mandela's plan aligned exactly with his vision because, you know, he influenced other countries, other governments, uh, multinational companies to put a lot of pressure on the government of South Africa to, to bring about change. Yes. So, uh, it was a very well executed, you know, plan. Um, and, and then the fourth one is, is really the team and you know, who you surround yourself with and who's in your inner circle. And, and those are people that should be there to help you. They should be there to uplift you. They should be there to uh, balance you because you may have some, uh, weaknesses that you're not aware of. Uh, so you have to surround with people, surround yourself with people who have, you know, strengths that, um, that, that are maybe your weakness. They bring different ideas. They bring different thoughts. They're doing different thinking. I call it diversity of thinking. So you put together a, a great team that has diverse thinking and, and Nelson had a great team. You know, he, he didn't just surround himself with family members. He, he had a great team and, and we know he had a great team because if he didn't, probably a lot of people wanted him dead. You know, yes. they would have assassinated him, right? Uh, so he had a great team, a powerful team to keep him safe, to keep him protected, to really, you know, reach out 
to other governments, to reach out to other, you know, multinationals to execute his plan. So he had a great team and a well-balanced team around him, right? Um, and then the, the, the fifth key in the book, uh, which I call the bonus key, is, is understanding how to connect with people. So uh, Nelson Mandela was great at wow. connecting with people. There's, there's lead, you know, if you go into a, a, a conference room in a company, uh, 95% of the presentations are the first level of communication, which is informing. Right? You go into a conference room, there's a PowerPoint presentation, and you're informing of people about your ideas. The second level of, uh, second level of, uh, of communication is, is actually communicating where you have a dialogue take place. And you're asking questions, you know, why, what, how, um, and, and really good communicators understand why somebody's even saying something, you know, what's their, why are they asking that question? So you can kind of read that individual to say, okay, well, there's, there's some thinking behind that question, why they're even asking it. Right. So, so you start forming that dialogue where you're listening, uh, you're listening for understanding, not just listening and then ready with an answer right away to come yes. back with an answer. Um, and, and you know, that, that's a better level of communication than information, but the, the real masters of communications are the ones that understand how to connect with individuals and, uh, and, and connecting with individuals. Um, that's when they want to come along with you. That's when you can pull on their heartstrings. That's when they buy into your ideas because you connected with them and they'll go to war for you. They'll take a bullet for you because you you connected with them. Uh, and Nelson, you know, Nelson Mandela was a, what a, was a master of connecting with people and a master of connecting with masses. Right. Um, and, and look, it, it, it's much easier to connect with people if, if, if they bought into your vision, if they bought yes, into your yes. character and they believe in you, they believe in your vision, they're abroad. Um, you know, then you have a common goal. You have a, a common uh, thing that, you, that you're both fighting for. And, and um, it's easier to connect with, but you still have to understand how to connect with individuals. And, and, you, and, and to connect with individuals, you have to connect with their minds. But more importantly, you have to connect with their hearts. Uh, and if you're not connecting with the hearts, you're not really connecting. You're still communicating. If it's just mind to mind, it's communication. If it's heart to heart, then it's connection. Hmm. And it's also easy to connect with people if you are speaking to their hearts and you are genuine with what you are saying and you're genuine, your intentions are clear. It becomes easy. Before we let you go. Absolutely. What will you say about the incumbent, uh, our current president in South Africa? What will be your message? Any comments? Anything really? He's just been to the U.S. recently for a visit, for a state visit. Well, uh, one of the things that I learned a long time ago is not to comment on something that I don't understand, that I don't know, because then I sound foolish. <laughs> because then I sound foolish. So, um, so I, 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 I respectfully pass on that, uh, the question and the answer. Uh, I, I just hope that uh, the leadership in South Africa um, continues to be servant leadership and continues yes. to move the country fo- forward. Uh, but I will, uh, you know, I can talk about the U.S. president because I, you know, I see him only all, almost yes. on a daily basis on the news. And uh, so I don't want to say anything about South Africa's president because I really don't know them. It wouldn't be fair for me. Yes. And the show ends now, but this conversation doesn't need to end. 
it doesn't, it must continue and it has to continue from here. How can our listeners and our viewers find out more about you and continue this conversation because it's all about leadership and this is what the world needs right now is leadership. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, leadership is scarce or, or I wouldn't say leadership is scarce. I think good leadership is scarce. There, there are a lot of leaders out there that are bad leaders. Uh, so good leadership is very scarce. Um, I am blessed and cursed with a last name. Uh, my last name is Koresti. That's K-E-R-E-S-Z-T-I. Uh, if you go to Google and put that last name in, you'll find my sister, who's uh, a doctor, and you'll find my two daughters. That's it. <laughs> There's not a lot of us out there. So uh, if, you, if you go to LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn is a, is a fairly popular uh, software that's out yes. there for business. So, you know, you, you, you'll find myself as Cresty on LinkedIn. You're not going to find a lot of people there. So uh, go to LinkedIn or go to Amazon, like I said, if you type in my last name or if you look for C-Suite and Beyond. Uh, you know, you can get the book. And uh, I have an open door policy. If, if you uh, just uh, send me a note through LinkedIn, hey, Tom, I'd love to talk to you. Um, I'll, I'll give you a complimentary 15 minutes of my life. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's going to be the best 15 minutes investment of your life. Yes. That is beautiful. Thanks, a gazillion times. That's all we had time for. Look, he says, brand yourself. I mean, you are a brand. Now, brand yourself. Know who you are. Understand what you are passionate about. And also, know what you are good at. That is a great place to start. Thanks a gazillion times, Tom, for your time, for your wisdom. That's all we had time for. But let this conversation continue. Get in touch with him. Connect. He says he can give you 15 minutes of his time. And it will change your life forever to all our listeners and our viewers around the world. Well done. MDN Talk Radio. The mic swings to you. At MDN Talk Radio, the conversation is upbeat with life-enhancing chats moderated by personalities that matter. Exclusive conversations to keep our radio community interactive is with you now. Log on from the comfort of your couch or take us along in your palm as you go. Hear us. The undeniable choice.